From the Amazon to the Himalayas, God is accomplishing his mission. Welcome to Amazon to the Himalayas podcast, stories and conversations with the global church and for the global church about the mission of God in the world. And now here is your host, Paul Aiken. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. I'm your host, Paul Aiken. Our guest today is Ricky. Ricky and his family live and serve in Moscow, Russia. Ricky is a friend and a very capable leader and one of the sharpest thinkers that I know. And I'm excited to have this conversation with him today. Ricky, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot, Paul, for having me. It's great to see you, bro. Yeah, you too. Why don't you start, Ricky, by just sharing with us your salvation testimony. Tell us how the Lord saved you. So my wife and I are both from a small town of about 900 people or so. In that town, there's five evangelical churches. Honestly, there we worked hard and we played hard. And of course, as a teenager playing hard, I really did some stupid stuff. And what kind of led to my salvation was was me and my buddies beginning to mess around with witchcraft. And so one week, my friends had a, a frightening experience, with, which led us all to ask a, a high schooler, named John to come and pray with us. And before this, I really had no interest in God whatsoever. However, in my buddy's living room, John just opened up the Bible and explained a simple gospel that Christ died for our sins, rose for our salvation, and if we believe in Christ. And as best as I remember, he particularly emphasized that if we believed in Christ, he would, we would receive the Holy Spirit and a new life free of sin and fear while serving the Lord. And while he was speaking, I just suddenly began to weep, feeling overwhelmed about my guilt before God, but almost simultaneously, I was overjoyed with the forgiveness of my sins. And after that, I just started reading the New Testament, and within a few months, I decided that I should be baptized into the local Baptist church. Wow. Praise the Lord for His saving grace in your life. And you mentioned, you know, growing up there in a, in a small town here in the U.S., but now you live in Russia. And so I would love for you to share the story. How did this, this small town guy who came to faith in Christ get from small town USA to, to Russia first, and then, you know, from kind of one spot in Russia now to, to Moscow? Can you tell us that story? Yeah, it's definitely been a journey in which God just brought very impactful and influential moments in my life. I can kind of go back and, and look at these different checkpoints. Really early on in my, in my faith, I felt a strong desire to pre teach and, uh, and preach the gospel. So I began to pursue that path when, when the opportunity came up. Uh, when I was in college, I had a pastor named Clay Hicks who mentored me, and he invited me to serve with the teenagers of the church as well as work in his landscaping business. He's a bivocational country church pastor. And during our time together, he, he just really passed on his heart for evangelism to me. And then he began to invite me to go on short-term mission trips to Monterey, Mexico. And, and that was my first exposure to cross-cultural ministry. And, and my heart just became, became, became warm to that idea and open to that idea. Eventually, I was ordained as a pastor in Crestview Baptist Church, Oklahoma City. And while attending seminary, I went on a short-term mission trip to Cameroon, and it was there that I truly was hit with the reality of the lack of the gospel access um, and lack of gospel ministers in some parts of the world. Being from a small town, my, my worldview and understanding of evangelical Christianity, gospel-leading churches worldwide was very narrow. It was also there that, that I met my future teammate, Ross Frierson, who was on your podcast already. And long story short, 
we came back from that that trip and the seminary professor suggested that Brandy and I team up with the Frierson's and and go somewhere there where there wasn't a team from the IMB and we had the opportunity to move to Russia uh, with the goal of planting uh, a church planting among an animistic people group that was that is native to Russia. Eight years later, we found ourselves in a position where we planted a church in that Udmurt region, the, the people group whom we're serving. And God provided a man from uh, a man whom the church elected to serve as their long-term pastor. And, and through various kind of set of circumstances, we were going to end up being the only people from our organization left in that lo- location. And honestly, this is really fine with us because we we're ready to continue working with the church there. But then uh, while we were on state side, so here in the, in the U.S. on a furlough, my supervisor was diagnosed with, the term, with terminal brain cancer, and my organization asked if we'd consider moving to Moscow and, and taking that role. And we were a little unsure about it all, but I was at a conference in Washington, D.C., and I got to meet two pastors from Moscow there, Yevgeny Bakhmutsky and Vladislav Treskin. And honestly, man, I was just taken back by how like-minded we were theologically and missiologically. And at the end of this conference, kind of providentially, they asked me if I would consider moving to Moscow and joining their church. And I was like, well, guys, actually, we're, my wife and I are praying about that. And so for me to have a solid invitation from a local church seemed to confirm that, that God was directing our path this way. So we went for it and we became members of Russian Bible Church when we moved to Moscow. And now I serve as one of the elders elders there. Uh, praise the Lord for, for his work and leading you to Russia and, and obviously all the things that you've been able to do there, planting a church, raising up you know elders, now transitioning to a city to serve in a little bit more of a, a catalytic leadership role. You know, when, when we talk about a place like Moscow, we talk about a country like Russia, you know, for many people who grew up in, in the U.S. in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, the Soviet Union, Moscow, Russia was you know, that was kind of like the, the great arch enemy of the United States. And, and that was kind of the ground zero for, for communism and those kinds of things. But here you are living and serving there in Moscow. Can you tell us some about the state of the evangelical church in Moscow? You know, are, are there evangelical churches there? Uh, and what does that look like? Yeah, you know, that's really interesting, Paul. Whenever I visit the United States or, or many Western countries, I do find myself kind of have a, having to fight a lot of preconceived notions about what, what the Russian Federation is today. We actually have much more religious freedom than, than what, pe- what some people think. It's not China, you know, I, if I was to put it, you know, just in, in one sentence. There's also a rich evangelical history there. So approximately, uh, if you don't mind me, just kind of backing up just to, to give you a little bit insight to what, happened, what has happened there throughout history is about, about 150 years ago, a revival um, often unheard of by, by the Western world, broke out in St. Petersburg. And really, this changed the religious demographic of Russia forever. There was a central figure by the name of Colonel Vasily Peshkov. And Peshkov was, was one of the wealthiest landowners of Russia. And his conversion occurred in, in about 1874 through the ministry of a British revivalist named Lord Radstock, who traveled to St. Petersburg three times before he was later exiled after a movement there, kind of start after revival there started. But at, the, at that point, a multitude of people had already been born again, and Pashkov was, was really ready to, to take over and, and lead this movement. But what was so interesting about this revival is it, it started with the oligarchs, because they were, the oligarchs were fascinated with Lord Radstock because he himself was an oligarch who preached the gospel. 
And they were fascinated by this because most oligarchs weren't actually weren't interested in religion and just uh, kind of leveraged the Russian Orthodox Church for their own political gain. And so whenever these oligarchs started coming to Christ, they also began to start serving the poor, taking the gospel just to really everyone. And a movement grew. And these born uh, born again believers became early on known as the Pashkovites or the Pashkovites. And it really was an incredible revival. One time there was this Orthodox priest who visited Pashkov's home. So you think of those ballrooms that you see in films and how people are dancing in there. Well, all these oligarchs ballrooms were, were kind of parlors were converted to places where they could evangelism point in these different mansions throughout St. Petersburg. And this kind of rival Orthodox priest one time reported that there was a thousand five hundred people in Pashkov's home listening to him preach the gospel. And there were other mansions having similar gatherings just like this. And that movement just began to spread across across Russia. Uh, Ten years after his conversion, Pashkov was exiled from Russia. However, the, the work continued by, by those who, whom he had trained and raised up to, to take over the church and, and lead, that, lead uh, the evangelism in, in Russia. And what happened is about that time also, or a little bit before that, there was actually three kind of evangelical movements that kind of later combined together to, be, to form what's now known as the Evangelical Christian Baptist of, of Russia, or the denomination of Evangelical Christian Baptist, you know, pre-Soviet, pre-Soviet Union. So, of course, there were different forms of evangelical teaching that developed. Pentecostalism came in um, early in the, the 20th century. But under communism, what happened is Stalin kind of forced them all under one umbrella of the evangelical Christians. Um, and specifically evangelical Christian Baptists. So there's a time where it was like the only evangelical denomination was the Russian Baptists. And then, of course, in, in the 90s, when the Soviet Union fell, freedom came and this gave the church kind of the freedom to form other denominations and partner with those who were who were were more like-minded. And I say all that to explain that you can today find some presence of most mainstream evangelical denominations. And even some non-denominational movements have come there. However, Russia is still well under 1% evangelical Christian. I mean, it is a massive land. It's a massive country. So sometimes you'll look at some some numbers of the amount of evangelicals, and it's a little bit deceiving because the percentage is, is, is a percent of a percent. In addition to that, what some people don't understand is there's a number of native people groups whose language and culture have been preserved throughout communism or in spite of communism. And there's still a great need for missionary workers and, and gospel presence and church planning strategies among them as well. So I would say actually now the the, evangel- the state of the evangelical church is worse than what it was when the Soviet Union fell. Wow. Okay. So so that's helpful context to kind of provide some of that historical background, how the gospel came in, and yeah, just it's amazing to think about some of those those ballrooms and parlors in those homes just hosting hundreds and hundreds of people i'm sure the the russian fire marshals probably would have not loved that at the time but we praise yeah. the lord for for the work that he did and and is doing today and it, it's helpful for you to even share that yes the you know that there are obviously realities that people have in their minds but but there is a, a decent bit more freedom for people to worship and those kinds of things but with that even said what you said towards the end, I think, is, is probably most intriguing to me and in that there's still a great need for, for gospel witness, for gospel presence, for more churches. And so I would love for you to share some about just some of the challenges 
in a place like Moscow, it's it's a large city, so you obviously have kind of this urban dynamic, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. But some of the challenges with reaching people that are immersed in kind of a, a communistic or or secularistic or or post Christian uh, mindset. Yeah, honestly, Paul, it's it's a little bit of a misconception to view Russia through the lens of secularism and communism. I mean, obviously, communism is an important part of their history. But this is only one of the spiritual dynamics the, that we come across. Uh, the Russian Orthodox Church is another one. To be Russian these days is to be Orthodox. And anything that is, that is not the Russian Orthodox Church is considered a sect. It's even to the point where sometimes I'll, I'll meet someone, I'll notice they're, they're wearing a cross on the, a cross necklace, and that is a sign that they were baptized as an infant. And I say, so you believe in God? And I say, no, no, I'm an atheist. You know what I mean? So, so the, the Russian Orthodox Church is very much a nationalistic identity, but it is very, very powerful. And I would say it's more influential than, than actually secularism um, or, or atheism. We also, for example, in Moscow, we have about 5 million Muslims uh, that live there. And interesting, Moscow is kind of a place, or Russia is kind of a place where the East, meet, East meets the West as far as worldview is concerned. Um, at some point, you feel like you're talking to Westerners. At some point, you feel like you're talking to, to Easterners. And what you do find then in the, you know, one thing that is challenging is they're very open to and pursuing a lot of Eastern religious practices, such as kind of uh, offshoots of, of Buddhism, offshoots of, of Hinduism. And so when, when you're talking about what is it like to, to serve in Russia, we have to think beyond atheism. And we definitely even have to think beyond the Russian Orthodox Church. Um, it is just a melting pot uh, of religions. And to some extent, you know, the younger generation will say, well, I'm glad you found what, what, what you found. And this is going to be, be my path. In respects to like modern atheism and secularism, I would say it's, it's not driven by a communist ideology. It's driven by materialism and an apathy towards religion. So I have a, a buddy named Aleg, and he's not a believer. And I've been sharing the gospel with him for, for a long time. And... He said, you know, Ricky, after talking to you, I mean, I, I really believe like if I were to become a Christian, I would go to your church. I wouldn't go to the Orthodox Church. Um, and he's like, and I, I really like logically, I can't, you know, argue with your logic. I just don't care. And so he, he just said, I, I, you know, I just want to get a house, get a pool, take care of my family and have a comfortable life. And really, that's what, what drives a lot of the, the Russian culture in, in Moscow is, is the pursuit of wealth and comfort, pursuit of, of a better life. And, and so that's really what we're dealing with there as much as anything is, is materialism um, and not, not just the religious, the religious battles that we're also, also fighting. In many ways, that, that doesn't sound unfamiliar to, to those who are listening, who are here living in, in America, maybe who are living in, in some larger you know, cities or urban areas and, and kind of hearing that desire to have a nice job, have a nice family, have a nice house. And, and that's kind of, kind of really the goal of life. So it's interesting how some of those principles are transferable from city to city around the world. The Great Commission is a call to go. And a call to go is a call to prepare. Whether you're called to advance the gospel in your local church or on mission fields around the world, Southern Seminary is committed to preparing you for a lifetime of faithful ministry. Designed with flexibility and personalization in mind, the Master of Divinity in Great Commission Studies allows pastors, missionaries, and ministry leaders to prepare for their own unique call to ministry. 
It's designed to equip students with the biblical foundation and the practical training needed to present the gospel clearly in cross-cultural missional settings. To learn more about the Master of Divinity in Great Commission Studies, go to sbts.edu bgs or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click the link to the Billy Graham School of Southern Seminary. There, you'll learn how listeners to this podcast can save $40 when applying for classes. That web address again is sbts.edu slash bgs. When you look back, you know, I want to kind of switch gears. Obviously, we've talked through some of the challenges that are there, and obviously there's many. But when you look back over the last couple of years, two or three years, what what encouraging things have you seen the Lord do? You know, there's there's people, I know you have you have churches back in the States that are praying for you. So what are some of the encouraging things that you've seen the Lord do there in Moscow? Yeah, brother, I think first and foremost, you know, while while people tend to come to Christ slowly in Russia, it takes a long time because of all this religious baggage that they have, and it's all mixed up together in the heads. We, We tend to have to study the gospel deeply and for a long time with people. So people come to Christ slowly, but they are spiritually open, and therefore people are being saved from a variety of backgrounds, and, and they're being added to the church. So just for example, you know, locally in May, or recently in May, I had the, the opportunity to, to baptize, you know, new new members into our church. And what was interesting was just the diversity of this group of people that I baptized. One was a professional MMA fighter. His dad, was, he was from the Caucasus regions of Russia. His dad was, was a, a Muslim member of the mafia, kind of a hitman for them, actually. There was a, a former ballerina from the Balshoi Theater. There's a circus performer. And then just like a high school kid who had grown up in, in our church. And, and we, you know, he, he now professed the gospel, proclaimed the gospel and showed signs of being born again. Um, then also we had this, this airline pilot, you know, who we just kind of accidentally found, you know. And, and so we have this diversity of people with no re- exposure to the gospel. But they're get, we're, through relationships, through just bold evangelism and various channels, and networking, we're we're bringing them into Bible studies. They're they're coming to Christ, and then praise the Lord God. God gave them uh, new life and, and faith in Jesus Christ. So that I mean, people are coming to Christ. So that's always encouraging. Uh, there's this really strong interest growing, at least in the denomination that, that I work in, serve in, of people who want to plant churches or want to evangelize the lost, plant churches, and revitalize existing churches. And so our, our church now is only, uh, it will soon have its 12th birthday here in just a couple of weeks. And what's interesting is that church was planted in the environment when people became very resistant to the gospel. But over time, it's continued to grow and we're multiplying small groups throughout the city and have a strong small group ministry. But what happened is people began to see what was going on in our church and, and realized it kind of wasn't like a Western model imported into Russia. This was a church planted by Russians. And it was the model was thought up of by Russians by just digging into the scripture and thinking, how can we apply these biblical principles of healthy church into, into our context in Moscow? And so people began to come to us. And that's actually led to, you know, long story short, that's led to a ministry. Uh, we, we call it kind of a, a training network um, in which we're, our, our church and other pastors, like-minded pastors from now across every major region of Russia are are going and we're, we're trying to, ha- we're putting on conferences and, and trainings to help young pastors plant healthy churches or, or just do biblically faithful, patient pastoral ministry so that they can revitalize and, and strengthen existing churches. And brother, that is just very, very encouraging to me. When I moved to Russia 12 years ago, 
that wasn't the, things like this weren't happening and and something in the environment is, is changing now while evangelism is still hard the church is, is changing and it gives a lot of hope that maybe he's preparing us for for a great harvest you know i'm not just speaking prophetically but but hopefully well, amen. That's that's encouraging to hear. And, and I think someone like you with kind of a, a 12-year track record and window to be able to look and to see some of these different things, I'm sure that's super encouraging to you. And I know it's going to be encouraging to those listening as well. I, I, I want to ask you a question. You know, you mentioned you've been there 12 years and you mentioned previously serving in kind of maybe a more rural context now in, in very much the largest city, big urban context. And so I want to ask you a question specifically about, about the city, about Moscow. It's a well-known city. What do you believe it takes to do faithful ministry in urban cities like Moscow? Like beyond the regular biblical qualifications, highly unreached centers demand careful stewardship of our, our time and energy. And for example, our elders prioritize training biblically qualified church leaders that can be sent out to plant local churches. And of course, this is really hard work requiring a lot of patient endurance because not only is there a biblical qualification in the knowledge and skill it takes to faithfully teach and preach the word, their character and maturity requirements, which only come through the process of sanctification in the context of a local body. Um, and, and so, man, this just, this just takes uh, time because in an urban city, there's so many things that, are, that can distract you. You have to have laser sharp focus on raising up these leaders. And, and we have to say no to some programs and activities to do ministry with this long-term vision in mind, which must involve us striving towards church planning, because we know that one church isn't going to be enough for our city. Then additionally, I would say like anywhere, man, you just got to continually lead the church to prioritize bold evangelism, healthy church membership, and strong cooperation with other like-minded churches. Uh, one church can't can't save a city, so to speak. One church can't bring about a movement and or, or a revival to a city. And so we we partner with other guys that are like minded to have the same vision for the city that we do. Oh, that's good. I appreciate you sharing that. The next question is a little bit more personal in nature, but it's a question I ask everybody that I interview. And here's the question. Ricky, day after day, week after week and month after month, what keeps you there in that place? And why are you giving your life to this work? Yeah, man, if I was speaking just absolutely honestly and transparently, very, there's never been a year that goes by that I don't say, man, I, it would just be so much easier to do life and ministry in the United States, just to move back. And I could try to justify that saying that that desire of my heart is like a leading of the Holy Spirit, you know, a new calling. But then when I pray with my wife, we, we just speak very honestly and, and realize that that's probably of the flesh. And so what I say, man, is it's really just fear of the Lord and a clear understanding. So every day I, I, I try to do my ministry. I pray that every day I will do my ministry with fear and trembling before the Lord, knowing he has given me an opportunity and a life to steward. And at the same time, I, I'm striving for that eternal reward. Uh, that motivates me. I see that theme throughout scripture. I see that theme, especially throughout the ministry of Paul, that there's a a greater hope and a greater life ahead of us. And that, that's ultimately um, what I'm living for. I'm living with my mind focused on, on things of above. So someday I'm going to give an account for that life before God and how I steward the opportunities he's given to me. And that right now, that opportunity is, is doing ministry in, in Moscow. The last question I have for you, Ricky, is what is one thing you want everyone listening to this podcast to know or to do? I would say steward your life well and faithfully 
make the right decisions and not just the easy ones. We, we see a lot of missionaries leave the field just because of a bump in the road or, or um, a, you know, a challenge that comes across their path. And really, man, Paul, I, I'm convicted that, that the Western church or really, really all evangelical Christians need to recover a good theology of suffering. And maybe even saying that theology of suffering is like, oh, even an overstatement. At this point, I would just like to see us recover a good theology of inconvenience. It is not going to be convenient um, to follow Christ and especially not to take the gospel to uh, unreached uh, peoples and places. And so, brother, uh, we, we need to come and live with, with an understanding that, that we will suffer or, and sacrifice in one way or another to, to different extents and degrees for the sake of the gospel. So that, um, and, and only if we are ready to do that, will, will people, will the gospel continue to extend to the nations? I hope you enjoyed hearing from Ricky today. Please, as the Lord brings him to your mind, pray for him, pray for his family and his work there in Moscow. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to this episode. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs, where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.